anxiety. There was a big focus on that in years past. But I've discovered that that's not biblical. God says, yeah, there needs to be some people that help to equip the saints, but the saints get to do the work of the ministry. And God wants us as His people to all be released, each one with our own gifts, each one with our own potential to serve His purposes. And I believe that as we see this church and worldwide as individuals in the church of Jesus Christ begin to release their potential and let the Holy Spirit work through them, I believe we'll see a harvest like has only been dreamt of. We'll see a revival like has only been dreamt of. And we will see God do amazing things. Lord, as we spend time around your word, we ask that you would give us your heart concerning this. We open our hearts and lives to not only hear, but to put into practice the things that you speak to us today. In Jesus' name. Now, get your Bible handy. We're going to turn in a few moments, but uh, just hang on to it just for the time being. The title of this message is Living Beyond Myself. Living Beyond Myself. And this is a fourth part of this series, Living Beyond Myself. If I was kind of to give this a subtitle, I would say, The Power of Doing Good. The Power of Doing Good. Today, we are concluding our series on Living Beyond Myself. And I believe that it's been the right theme for Choose Life, for our journey at this point in time. If you did happen to miss any of the sessions, you can always collect a copy at the multimedia counter, either a CD or DVD. It's only 20 rand a copy, and it's not about making money, it's just about getting the product out. Now, I believe it's been the right thing, the right journey, the right focus at this point in our journey, not only because we're gearing up for double morning services from January next year, but also because this speaks into the greater call of God upon our lives, the call of God to servanthood, which is, in essence, living beyond myself. Now, as an introduction, I'd like to read something to you about two individuals and see if you can figure out, I'll mention their name at the end, see if you can identify who they are. And listen out for how they lived beyond themselves. The first person, he was born the son of a Lutheran pastor in 1875. He became an acclaimed organist and worldwide authority on Bach by the time he was 30. Later, he earned doctorates in theology and philosophy. In 1905, he enrolled in the medical school in a medical school, so that upon receiving his degree, he would no longer have to, quote, merely talk about the religion of love, but could put it into practice with his hands. In 1913, he and his wife moved to French Equatorial Africa, now Gabon, to build a medical treatment center for poverty-stricken African people. He stayed and worked there the rest of his life. He was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1952. He died at the age of 90 years in 1965. Who is he? Albert Schweitzer. 
The second person. She was born the youngest of three children in the former Yugoslavia in 1910. She joined a youth group and by the age 17, she knew that she wanted her life to be guided by God. She became a high school teacher and was promoted to principal in 1944. But her career there was ended when she contracted TB. In 1948, she started an unofficial school for young children in the slums. She combined teaching and medical care to nurse them back to health. In 1950, she rented a house with her own money so that people who were dying in the streets could be transported there to die with dignity. She was one of the earliest pioneers of treating those with HIV-AIDS even before the disease had a name. She received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979. She died a household name in 1997. Who is she? Mother Teresa. Well done. Now, these two people will be remembered for centuries to come, if not longer. But let's say they'll be remembered for centuries to come, simply because of doing good. That's it. They're not going to be known because of raising up a, a great army or inventing some new product or being the first person to step on the moon. They're going to be remembered for centuries to come because of simply doing good. They understood the power of doing good. Something must have happened early on in their lives. Maybe they did a certain act of kindness and they saw something there and something stirred in their hearts and they realized, wow, God wants me to fulfill something of this passion in my heart. I wonder what God has in store. I'm guessing they didn't know right from the beginning what they would end up doing. But they understood the power of doing good. You know what? They were both believers. They both loved God. Mother Teresa's greatest passion was, as she put it, to be the hands and feet of our Lord. Now the question is, will the world ever see examples like this again? Will somebody in this day and age rise up to being the likes of Albert Schweitzer or Mother Teresa? Or these people that lived once and we'll never see the likes of this kind of rising up? I wonder if there's not some people even here today in this meeting that God could use and raise up to set a new example of touching people with the goodness and the kindness of the Lord. Well, in the book of Titus, there's a call for every generation to produce these kinds of people. And it also calls for all of us to be used by God, all of us to serve God. And this leads me to a central and a main point this morning. The Bible sets out God's standard, and this is it. We should devote ourselves to doing good. Do you know that the Bible backs up what I've just said? 
This is the Bible standard. This is what it calls for, that we should devote ourselves to doing good. Can we say that together? We should devote ourselves to doing good. Think about the words that you've just said. I wonder if you believe them in your heart. Can we say them one more time? We should devote ourselves to doing good. Let me back it up from Scripture. Turn to Titus, please. It's one of those books which is not always the easiest to find. And uh, if you have to refer to the uh, index in the front, that's okay. If you're in the maps, then you've gone too far. (laughs) Now, not everyone can or has to or should be used like, like the two examples I mentioned, but everybody can be used by God to some extent. So if, if the examples that I've quoted just sort of intimidate you right out of the church, but please, just relax a moment, because you don't have to necessarily do what they did, but all of us can be used by God. All of us can do good. Now, Titus chapter 3 and verse 1. It says there, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, and then notice these words, to be ready for every good work. This is the Bible. This is speaking to us. It says that we should be ready for every good work. Jump to verse 8, where it emphasizes it even more clearly. It says, this is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly. That those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. In other words, do good. Be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Now, that is put very clearly. There's no 63 ways about that. It's clear. And it also starts off by saying, this is a faithful saying. And also goes on to say, we should affirm this constantly. That those who have believed in God, believers, should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Verse 14, once again it says, And let our people also learn. If I can say, let the people of Choose Life also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. I was thinking about the story of the fig tree that wasn't giving fruit. And that didn't make the heart of the Lord Jesus happy. And God doesn't want us to be unfruitful. He wants us to live lives that are fruitful, lives that produce a great yield. And He wants us to devote ourselves to doing good. So there it says in verse 1, Be ready for every good work. Verse 8, Be careful to maintain good works. Verse 14, maintain good works. Meet urgent needs. Now, 
we need to have a positive attitude towards doing good. For some people, under the sound of my voice, when you hear the word, the words good works, it causes the hair on the back of your neck to stand up. I don't know if you can see the person in front of you, if the, if the hair in front of Good works. In recent history, in recent times in Christianity, there came an absolute negative trend in many quarters. When you heard the word good works, you thought, ah, that's a legalistic old person, and they don't know grace, and this and that, and the next thing. But you know what? It's because of certain teachings that emphasized salvation by works. Now, that's not the truth. Those are false teachings. I'll read you a scripture. In Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, I'll just read it for you. It says, By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. In other words, your salvation has got nothing to do with works. Your salvation has got to do with receiving the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, receiving His work by faith in your heart. That's how you get to heaven. That's how you get saved. So, you don't have to do any good works to get saved. But, the very next verse in Ephesians 2, after verse 8 and 9, it goes straight to verse 10. Listen to what it says here. It says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Huh. You and I were created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. So, how do we get saved? Not by works. We get saved by putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and receiving His grace. But the very next verse says, but yet we are created. We are His workmanship to do good works. Whether you do them or not, you're still going to go up to heaven, okay? But the point is because you love God, you want to walk in His ways. Because you love Him, you want to serve Him. Because He's done so much for you, you want to pour out your life as, an inc- as a drink offering. So we are saved by grace, not by works, but we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. In other words, the natural outflow of a life that has been touched by the grace of God is that we want to serve God. We want to do whatever it is He wants us to do. We want to be used and our lives to be poured out for Him. We need more kindness in the world. How many of you would agree with that statement? We need more kindness in the world. We need more people to do simple, small acts of kindness. And maybe you can think of something within the last week or two that you did, which was an act of kindness. Something that came to mind in my own situation is oftentimes as I drive out of gym in the mornings, there's uh, these booms that go up and uh, the security is quite strict at the gyms when you drive your car out of the parking lot. And there's usually two or three guards there. And when you go out, they pop in a little coin and then the boom goes up and these spikes go down 
and then you can drive through, the light goes green, you can drive through, and so on. And these people are often what I call machine people in our lives. We never talk to them, never say anything, they just fulfill a machine type of function. You know? But quite often I make a point of rolling down my window, giving the security guard a smile, and saying, thank you, or saying, enjoy your day. And I see sometimes their faces are so, so stuck in the non-smiling mode <laughs> that when you say something like that, it's like, Wee! ah, you know, okay, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, I've, I've seen so often just that it's a small little act of kindness, but you know what? Nobody else will, from what I can gather, nobody else seems to be doing it. And I'm telling you what, it makes a little difference. Let me tell you, the other day, <laughs> I didn't do it. And uh, I was so in dream mode that the car in front of me pulled away, the light was green, and I just went straight through. And I, after I just passed through, I thought, oh, shucks, the spikes, the spikes, you know. So sometimes I'm in uh, daydream mode, and I, I, that's not happened often. <laughs> but uh, you know what? It's just a little thing, a little kindness. Now, Albert Schweitzer, he once said, keep your eyes open for little tasks because it's the little kind tasks that are important to Jesus Christ. Maybe there's a security person that you walk past in your building as you check up through security, you go upstairs and, you know what? How about a really nice smile and say, good morning, hope you have a lovely day. Just a little way in which you can show kindness. Now, three big questions to basically wrap up this uh, series. Three big questions to wrap up the series on living beyond myself. Now, the question is, why should I do good? Why should I do good anyway? And the answer is this, because it's your destiny. Why should I do good? Because it's your destiny. We are created, uh, sorry, uh, Ephesians 2.10, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should do. Alright? So, now we're not going to have a problem with the good works thing. We understand that we're not saved by grace, but yet God calls us to do this kind of thing. He calls us to good works. Now, if I may depict a little thing here for a moment. Imagine here is a timeline of your life. Here is the day when you are born. And then you begin to live, you get a little older, you get a little older, and right over here is the end of your life. The day you breathe your last breath. Now imagine somewhere around here in the middle, let's line up with this cross here on the pulpit, is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you get born, and I'm talking to believers now, at some point in time in your life, there's a working, there's a drawing in your heart towards the Lord, and eventually you cross this, let's call it the line of faith. You cross the line of faith, you give your life to Jesus Christ, you become born again, now you are saved. Now imagine at the end here, where your life ends, there's a, a big puffy cloud above here which says heaven, okay? Now, 
when you cross the line of faith and give your life to Jesus Christ, why doesn't God, because you're saved now, why doesn't God just take you to heaven? Because wouldn't that kind of make sense before you go back on your decision, or no, you know, before you get up to any nonsense? Uh, quickly, just get you into heaven. Now, you've crossed the line of faith, you've put your faith in Jesus, and now just, shoom, just get you over. The reason is simple. Because between here, where you cross the line of faith, and there, where you go to be with the Lord, you need to do good. Do good. Do good. Do good. You need to do good. You need to do good. There's a plan to be fulfilled. There's days that have been written concerning your life in God's book. Before there was yet one of them, there's things for you to do. Have you ever spoken to somebody who's maybe had a near-death experience and somehow they were spared and somebody else ended up facing a tragic death? And, and you know what they say? Well, God must still have work for me to do. <laughs> that's why I made it through. Or that's why I'm still alive. That's why I haven't died because of this illness. Or that's why I didn't die as a result of that, that accident because God must still have work for me to do. And that is so true. God still has work for you to do. Now, if you are in this audience today and you're not dead, there's a reason. The reason is because God still has good things that He prepared, that He had long before, long ago in mind for you to do. The reason why you're still breathing, why you're still sucking in air, if I can put it that way, is simply this, because God still has things for you to do. And the amazing thing is, once those things are over, He seems to call people home. I remember my dad about a year or so before he went to be with the Lord, he said the following. He said, all the promises that God has spoken over my life have been fulfilled. And he was rejoicing. And we were thinking, oh, it's wonderful. All the promises over my dad's life have been fulfilled. And next thing he <laughs> went up to be with the Lord. You know what? I believe that God actually took my dad in his perfect timing. God caused him to graduate on to glory because he had run the race. He had done what he needed to do. And if you're still here today, there's only one reason. There's still work to be done. So why should I do good? Because it's your destiny. The second of three questions, where should I be doing all these good things? Now, to answer that, I'd like to refer to the parable of the Good Samaritan. Where did the Good Samaritan do his good? Where did he do his good? The answer is where he happened to be. It's actually that simple. And there's that powerful little thing from the, the Good Samaritan story where do you need to do the good that God's called you to do? Where you happen to be. Now, have you ever seen these uh, big maps 
in some of these theme parks or some of these shopping centers, and uh, on it it indicates, you are here. And there's a big arrow, it says, you are here. Have you seen that, anybody? Okay. Some of you haven't been to Disney World yet, but anyhow. You see it at different places. Now, if Jesus were teaching you today on where to do these good works, I'm of the opinion he would say the following to you. He would say, well, where are you? And you'd say, well, I look at this arrow well, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> and then God would say to you, well, do good right there. And then, maybe a little bit later, you move to another place and, oh God, where, where do you want me to do good for you? And God says, well, where are you? And I say, well, I'm here, God. And then God would say, well, do good wherever you are. <laughs> Uh, am I moving too fast? <laughs> one more, one more. And if you move into another place, and you say, God, where do you want to use me? Where must I do these good works? And then God says, well, where are you? And you say to God, well, God, I, I'm here. <laughs> and then God says, well, I think that's a good place. That's where you need to do good. The bottom line is, wherever you are. I think some people think, that maybe someday we'll get into that zone. And when you get into that zone, into that job, into that environment, then exactly all things line up from heaven and beam me up Scotty kind of thing and bam, it all happens for you. No, no, no. It's quite simple. Wherever you are. Now, when you leave the service a little bit later, maybe some of you are going to go out to a restaurant and grab some lunch, have a bite. And where will you be? Well, you'll be there. <laughs> and you can do good there. And after you've done with the restaurant, maybe you're going to go home. Where will you be then? You will be home. And where can you do good? At home. Because that's where you are. And maybe tomorrow, if you're not going to call in sick for work and say, uh, sorry boss, i got tooth pain, you're going to be at your job tomorrow and you can do good there because that's just where you're going to be. And so, where should I be doing good? And the answer is, wherever you happen to be. Matthew 20 verse 28 says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life. We can follow Jesus' wonderful example of looking beyond Himself. We can discover the joy of serving. Now, one last aspect. We said, firstly, um, why should I serve? It's because it's your destiny. Where should I be doing these good things? Wherever you happen to be. Third question is, how should I do good? And the answer to this one is very simple. The answer is, however the Holy Spirit prompts you. However the Holy Spirit prompts you. That's how you should do. Because, you know, there is this amazing thing about a Christian life. 
And it's this, the guiding, the leading, the whispering of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, if Jesus Christ is in your life, you have the deposit of the Holy Spirit and you hear the voice of God. Sometimes it's maybe not so clear to identify, is this His voice or not? Because we hear lots of things going on in our minds and so on. But I want to tell you, the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. It's what the Word of God says. So there's this wonderful thing where the Holy Spirit whispers, He leads, He guides, He gives you ideas. A thought crosses your mind about somebody in need and you realize, oh, maybe the Lord would want me to serve there. It's really as simple as that. I've known people who have responded to the little gentle promptings of the Holy Spirit only to discover that people's lives were touched in a phenomenal way. If God wants to touch the world with His goodness, then He taps His people on the shoulder and He asks us to respond. Because think of your family. You say, well, I want to experience more goodness in my family. Well, you know what? God can do it through you. God says He can do more than you ask or think according to the power at work in you. You say, I want God to work in a greater way in my company. You know what? God can do it through you. He can do beyond what you ask or think according to that power working within you. And He prompts you. And He leads you. And He guides you. And don't say you don't hear God's voice. We all hear God's voice. Kind of to begin to bring it to a close, Romans 12 verse 1 says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers... By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That sounds like living beyond myself. As a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You see, we've been talking about living beyond ourselves, and really it's about being a living sacrifice unto God. From the time that you encountered the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ until the time Jesus calls you home, He has got you alive for a purpose. While you are living, He wants your life to be burning for Him. He wants your life to be on fire for Him. He wants you to be serving. He wants you to be doing good, to be doing good, to be doing good. Now, we're going to close in prayer, and I'm going to ask that you stand and take the hand of the person next to you, please. I know it's tempting to head for the doors right now, but please don't unless you're on the hospitality team. Now, I want to ask you a question, and then we're going to pray. If you are willing to let God use your life to serve others. Hear that? If you are willing to let God use your life to serve others, then maybe if you could just raise a hand like this and close your eyes so that we can pray. If you are willing to let God use your life to serve others, to serve Him, to serve His purposes, 
then just raise your one hand. And I want to say, as your eyes are closed and as our hands are raised, that you don't just migrate towards serving. It's not something that you just gradually get more and more into. It's actually something that requires a decision. And that's why this morning we're giving an opportunity. And I believe that as you're standing, it's not important for anybody else to see you, but you raising your hand as a sign unto God. You were raising your hand saying, Here I am, Lord. It's like, Hey, Lord, here I am. You can use me. Now we're going to pray a prayer and we're going to agree together that we're presenting ourselves to God as living sacrifices. Heavenly Father, I come before you in Jesus' name as pastor of this congregation. I present this congregation to you. I present myself to you in this kind of a solemn, solemn moment. We present ourselves to you. God, the greatest desire of our hearts is to be used by you. The greatest desire of our hearts is to be used by you, Lord. We want to be used by you, Lord. And so we raise a hand, and Lord, I believe that you see and you take note of this simple first step. Lord, for many people that are raising their hands, they've been serving you with such fervor. They've been doing good and reaching out to others for so many years. And for some people, this is just a reaffirmation. Of saying, here I am, Lord, you can use me to serve others. But Lord, I also believe that there's some people that this is the very first time they're saying, I'm going to serve. I'm going to take up the serving towel. And so, Heavenly Father, we just declare that as your people, we make ourselves available to you. We present ourselves to you as living sacrifices. And in the same way that you did not come to be served, but to serve, we make it the choice of our hearts today to serve others. And now, Lord, I pray a, a prayer of blessing as we go. I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his smile upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go and do the good.